Thanks for tuning in to Culture Car ATX. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr., here with Donald Scott II. Our goal at Culture Crawl ATX is to change the world one conversation at a time. We hope you enjoy this episode. So today we decided to have another episode of Culture Crawl ATX as always. So we're excited to get started and have an interesting, interesting, deep, a somewhat complex uh, conversation around drugs, criminalization, uh, and, and also mental health, uh, where we're going to touch on the interconnectedness of all three, probably share some experiences, thoughts, and really dive in into what, what we see in our, in our society. Uh, from, from my perspective, some of the work that I, that I do, uh, some of the things that I've seen, two main things come to mind for me uh, when I just think about drugs and criminalization specifically. Uh, one, from a criminalization standpoint, uh, we, we use it to punish people for the things that they've done that we, that we perceive to be wrong. Um, and this could be many different types of, of crimes of all, of all statutes, of all levels. Uh, so I, I want to speak about crime in, in a general sense and say that we really shouldn't be punishing people uh, and, per, and allowing that to remove people from being, from being able to access opportunity. Right. And I see that just from, from employment. I see that from voting. Right. That just because you are a quote unquote criminal or have committed a crime, now you lose privileges. Right. You lose freedoms. You, you, you lose rights. Um, and and, and that, that's just not right. That's just not just that. And that that right there is one of the things that, you know, I, I'm working on in several different ways to just address that, to reshape that. So that when quote unquote crime is committed, there's a different alternative that doesn't just create this system over again. That, 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 that's one comment or one thought that comes to mind. The second, when, when I think about drugs, is that now in certain states, uh, there, there, are, there are drugs that are legal such as marijuana. However, there are many individuals that have been arrested and locked up and now quote unquote criminals for possession or selling or using marijuana, but now it's legal. So it's kind of like a, uh, I want to use the words, you know, bait and switch it, and just connect that with criminalize, criminalization. And, and the previous point is just not right, right? That there's something about that as like, come on, we, we, we really should be, be unpacking that a little bit because we realize who are the types of individuals that are most negatively impacted by this idea of drugs and criminalization. And we see it in our communities, right? I know we, we see it just based on the individuals that have been impacted, that have not been able to have the quality of life, right? That the life, liberty, and freedom that, that we quote unquote have been promised by being Americans right? and being in this country. So uh, I'll pause there and I, and I love, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts, gentlemen? What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh man, uh, Ralph Blaskett here, right? So you 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 said a lot, um, and th there's much to respond to there. Um, so I'll I'll work my way backwards, right? So to the latter point um, of you know persons who are now incarcerated uh, for you know drug criminalization, um, where now that drug marijuana, being the example provided, is now legal in those. Um, in those states. You know, I think 
um, there for that particular piece, that particular item, you know, it's it's really interesting. Where I certainly haven't seen a, a major um, a major push by any uh, legal system to retroactively reduce or expunge drug sentences, right? Um, which is certainly my position. Um, if a drug now becomes legal, you know, an evaluation of the past, whatever, let's say 10, 15, 20 years of um, convictions of drug sentences should be either reduced given the particular scenario um, or expunged altogether. Right, we see far to your point, to your first point. Now we see far too much um, uh, criminalization of drug possession, um, specifically for uh, personal use. Right, um, I, I want to make that distinction of personal use, and I'm not even making the distinction of the drug type, but just personal use versus those who are, you know, selling illegal um, drugs. Right. Um, distribution, that's the word I was looking for. So for those for personal use, we see far too much incarceration, criminalization around that um, ability, wherein um, the, the, the counter is not happening, right? We criminalize a person for having, um, you know, having possession of with whatever drug, yet there isn't uh, uh, the there isn't the lens of empathy often put on this where we say, what's the root cause that's causing you to shift to that drug? Um, and is there ability for us, the state, to address that root cause through, you know, health, um, uh, through health uh, capabilities that we can afford them versus uh, filling the jails with um, drug possession charges? You know, I said a lot there. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah I um, I'm writing down a bunch of notes. Uh, <laughs> I'm writing down a bunch of notes as if this is an academic exercise, uh, which you know, kind of it is. Um, what I find interesting. So I'll I'll add a couple personal stories, uh, and and cut some things. Maybe go back and forth. But what I remember growing up as a child is uh, reefer is bad. Uh, but Jack Daniels is okay. And uh, that drinking and driving is not that bad when necessary. Um, and that was kind of like indoctrinated via stories, books, TV, family <clears throat> at the time, right? Okay, now you skip forward a couple of years and we're adults, not even adults actually, if we skip forward to college because I didn't, so I didn't drink all through high school, even, and when I got to college, I started drinking and I had friends who had been drinking before they got to college and we weren't even 21 yet, right? So, so nobody's supposed to be drinking at 19. Some people had been drinking since 16. So we're already immediately breaking the law, right? But when you think about college age drinking, no one really talks about criminalizing the personal use of a substance, which is illegal at that age, mm. right? So. So college kids are all criminals. If you look at the same lens with personal use for this drug that's illegal, whatever the drug may be, 
right? And, and, many, and, and the reason that um, cannabis comes up so much now is because in the states, we have some states where it's legal, some states where it's illegal, a lot of states where a lot of black and brown people are sitting in prison for having that drug and politicians are preparing, politicians and, and other people with funds, right, are preparing to make a significant amount of money on the decriminalization and legalization of this drug to start. And, you know, many times people, you, you know, they call marijuana the gateway drug. Decriminalization of marijuana is the gateway to the decriminalization of a lot of other drugs as well. Um, but then now, right, so you skip past and, and you go through college and everybody's drinking and they come out of college, you have a, probably a drinking problem, potentially. But because of the culture that exists, in, at least inside the United States, as it relates to marketing, mm-hmm. right? I turn on my television to watch the Olympics or I turn on my radio to listen to sports network and I'm bombarded with beer commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in watching those commercials, if I'm sitting there with my children, they are being indoctrinated into a culture that accepts alcohol as a drug that's okay. Um, but we have people who, right, are smoking marijuana, like again, personal use. They are considered criminals unless they're in a specific state or unless they are uh, beholden to some other set of rules, uh, which then brings us to the topic of empathy. And, and you mentioned it. Uh, where now we've started saying, okay, we recognize that marijuana actually has medicinal value. So if this substance, which is supposed to be dangerous for you, which is the justification for it being illegal, if it's supposed to be dangerous, how can it have a medicinal purpose, right? That's like saying this poison if used properly, can be good for you. Um, and, and one of the things now, right, that the reason I, this conversation comes now very heavily is the, the young woman who was banned from the Olympics for ingestion of THC in a state where it's legal, not, in, uh, not for competitive purposes. And where this gets really tricky for me, if I think about the logical argument is how can a drug be banned because it's potentially a performance enhancing drug and also be illegal, right? So either either it's not performance enhancing and it's bad for you, and that's why it's illegal, or it's illogically illegal. And the only reason it is illegal is because they've weaponized the laws against a certain group of people, right? Which then comes all the way back to my statement of, I have friends who started drinking before they were in college and all of us were drinking before 21, right? So this culture of what we decide is legal versus illegal is also a function of weaponizing laws against a certain group. Uh, and I'll, I'll make this one statement and then I'll, I'll uh, go on mute is, 
it feels like an emotional, logical trap to constantly show me commercials about the consumption of alcohol when I know that people like abuse alcohol and then do, and then usually get themselves in trouble, right? <laughs> in some form or fashion, alcohol puts us at risk. But marijuana, whenever I've known people to be as high as they can get, they are causing zero trouble most likely uh, in a safe space, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about the guy who was already getting ready to do something silly <laughs> and then decided to, to smoke, right? I'm talking about we're all hanging out at the barbecue group of friends over here is drinking, you know, 40s and jack shots. And then the other group over here is, is smoking a little weed. The guys smoking weed are mad chill. So it's like this, this uh, disconnect on why one drug is okay versus another relative to the response that you have after consumption. So I'll, I'll uh, pause there. Uh, that's funny. I, I laugh a lot because I definitely understand. I relate. It's like I, I know from experiences, right? Different people in, in my family, my community. And what comes to mind is when you comment or you make, when you make the statement on what we choose to classify as what's legal or illegal as a drug. And then I think about the opioids crisis and I think about how, you know, funding and support went to save those lives but then when we think about other types of of challenges from any drug from anything whatsoever e even mental health i mean we could throw mental health in right now perfect example it's like okay so some people have an opioid crisis great let's put all the money let's support that let's heal our, our let's heal these people okay hey we got these people who have mental health oh no we can't give any money over here no don't heal those people that's bad right it's like it's like who are we to decide that right you know that's number one and then it goes back to your, your comment, Donald, on it's just to weaponize, right? It's to have an impact on a certain group of individuals that are therefore either not able to provide for themselves, right? And be able to become self-sustaining, you know, get the help that they need and keep them in a certain class, bucket, framework, you know, whatever terminology you want to use, but keep things as they are, right? Like, like this system was built, right? It wasn't accidentally designed by random people. No, no, no. It was like, hey, we're going to move this piece here. We're going to move this piece here, right? And we're going to create this system and this framework where the outcome will be what we're living in today. Over decades, right? Over decades, it was systemically put in place uh, to be able to see what we're seeing today. Um, and it's quite interesting, right? So I love the analogy of alcohol versus weed, right? Um, and how, um, you know, somehow is normalized, right? Underage drinking, um, recklessness, um, you know, blame it on alcohol, if you would, um, songs, everything, you know, just, just normalizing the alcohol um, being it's not okay, but it's it's fine because we've allowed it to be fine, and certainly it is an you know economic powerhouse. Um, whatever your your alcohol of choice is, an economic powerhouse, um, certainly globally and and, and uh, without doubt in the United States. Wherein um, 
a, a drug like marijuana had, um, you know, I was reading an article, I believe it was either Washington Post or, or New York or the New Yorker. Um, it was given a bit of a history on marijuana, right? Um, and the various names that it comes, reefer, weed, um, and even those words being used to identify a certain group of people. Um, I believe the article was speaking to um, Mexicans um, and using those to uh, shift the stigma of the drug associated to a racial class of folks um, to make it bad, right? Um, and then, and of, these were, per the article of my recollection, uh, these were politicians at the time, um, shifting the narrative to make it bad um, and then make those who possess it, mostly at the time, um, which per the articles were Mexicans, um, bad as well. Right. So, you know, if we look at our article and we deem it to be true or even partially, we see that, um, you know, the, the stigma around the drug um, begins with or certainly contributes to, you know, the racial and uh, systemic racial systems that we've seen elsewhere um, and certainly here as well. Yeah, and I'm and I'm thinking too, right? When we connect it to mental health, so for example, uh, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> keep the buddies' names nameless because it depends on what state you're in. But even if we call it medicinal, you know, when uh, and I'll even take a step back. <laughs> My grandmother uh, used used to use the word reefer, right? Uh, and and when she used the word reefer, she meant it with negative connotation. Mm. Uh, now come to find out when she was younger, she used to smoke weed, but I didn't know that. Right. I'm a child. When, when your grandmother tells you that reefer is bad, then you believe that reefer is bad. And you also believe that there's no way she ever smoked it, but that's not a true statement. Okay, fine. So now you fast forward to, you know, I'm, I have buddies with kids and, you know, we're adults now. And I know a handful of dudes that uh, smoke or ingest THC, however you want to do it, right? Uh, you got your cookies, you got your lotions. I think you can make it in soup now, right? But they consume it for, um, uh, for soothing and self, uh, what would you call like self-medicating, right? Mm -hmm. to, to bring down the anxiety, to... to uh, to be able to relax because many of these people are high performing, high functioning type A individuals who have a hard time just sitting down and relaxing. And we know, right, given these conversations around burnout and um, stress and all these, all of the physiological uh, uh, effects of all of challenges, that. right, anxiety, of, of stress. Absolutely. Yeah, right, right. So, so now what you have is people who are saying, Oh, okay. I can self-medicate and this is supporting my mental health. But again, and regardless of what drug you choose, right? It can be cannabis, but also now they're, they are saying that, um, you know, the mushrooms, the, the chemicals that make up mushrooms or even the, um, 
what is that? The ecstasy, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the chemical composition is of ecstasy, they're, they're testing with all of these compounds because in, in naturally occur, for those that are naturally occurring, they support people's ability to cope with stress <laughs> and the stresses of life. Uh, so, you know, that it's medicinal means that there are positive qualities that people are free now to say, oh, you know what? I'm taking advantage of these medicinal qualities and it's pretty awesome. It helps us cope with life, which then goes into this Olympics conversation, right? Yep. Oh, yep. This mm -hmm. woman, the only, the reason that she consumed the cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. Clearly not her first time is because she knew that given the news of the passing of her mother, in order for her to maintain her composure, right? To, to deal with this loss, knowing that she was also going to have to be emotionally prepared to race, to reach her dreams, to do all of these things because she's a high performing individual. She found that the THC would help and she knew it and she consumed it, knowing that she might get in trouble. But she also knew that from a mental health perspective, this was necessary, right? I think, you know, the narrative has been, she made a mistake, uh, don't blame her, we shouldn't be illegal. That's all fine, you know, and everybody can debate whatever opinion. But if you think about the choices that she made in the situation that she was in, she could have decided to drink, but she's an athlete and, is she really getting ready to drink a bottle of Hennessy, right? Because you can do that because we have songs about getting depressed and drinking up all the alcohol. Right. That's basically country music. You know what I mean? My babe left me. I went and got that fifth of Jack. You know what I mean? So like she could have done that and been just fine. But would that have supported her mental health? No, because we know that alcohol is a depressant. And she knew that she was about to be depressed. So she you know, made a wise decision for her mental health that now has jeopardized her ability to function in the profession that brings her joy because of these rules that we have, right? And so it's, it's like, okay, if you drink, go ahead and drink, drink to your heart's content. That might not be the best for you, however, because no one, I don't believe, would ever say that alcohol is a performance enhancing drug. Mm -hmm. However, you can't smoke this weed that will help your mental health or you can't consume this cannabis because nobody even knows. But, you know, we uh, jumped to the assumption that she was smoking weed. She may have had some brownies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody may have, you know, she might know how to make her own tea. And it yep. might have been herbal, herbal, mm -hmm. relaxing tea with some THC and cannabis in it. And she was like, relaxed, probably cried a little bit. You know what I mean? She might, I'm making up stories now, but she might've been flipping through old photos, right? Grieving. She was allowed mm -hmm. to grieve in her way. And that is a, that is a very mature mental health process. But now we've criminalized her. Now she's all on TV and we've taken away the ability for her to, to go, you know, represent the United States as the fastest woman in the world, potentially ever, right? Like that's, <laughs> I'm going to go on mute right now because it starts to make me upset mm -hmm. when I think about all of that. And then these beer commercials, 
I, I really can't watch sports with my boys because every other commercial is about alcohol. And I don't want them to be raised believing that alcohol is what they need just to be at a barbecue, just to be at a sports game, just to sit on the couch, just to sit in the backyard. I even saw a commercial about having a beer while showering for, before the pregame. And I was like, yo, like it's already, you getting ready to go to a bar, but you drinking before you go to the bar. Now you got to drink before you take the shower, before the event, before you go to the bar to drink. Like that's too, that's too yeah. much. Yeah, Donald. Uh, and just, just hearing you, Donald, when you were talking about uh, Shakari Richardson and just the whole situ- situation, man, and the way you described it, 100% agree, you know, felt the same thing. And I was going to comment on now we've criminalized it, right? So what she chose to do that didn't harm anyone at all, right? This is something that she chose because she knew what she was going through. And now we've criminalized it and, now pre- and prevented her from doing something, right? So, so this goes back to decisions that that we that we as a you know, quote unquote country is is creating saying oh you know because of this particular situation or, or what this decision has been done for a majority of these groups of individuals great we're going to outlaw that so we can use this just to take away quote unquote freedoms that we have fought for for years right um, and Ralph you mentioned earlier when you talked about the system of just decades and decades of this being built. They're saying, yeah, you know, as decades and decades of them building it, you know, we've been fighting for freedoms, right? Freedoms, not not just for those that have been here before, before, quote unquote, Americans have came here. But even those that came from Africa, those that have been from all across the world, right? Those that are still here today, continuously to fight for those freedoms. And now they're fighting, they're looking for all these different types of opportunities to just remove them, you know, one by one. And it's a it's a tough battle. It really is a tough battle. Um, and when you, when you think about just all the injustices, right, and the, the injustices that don't have to be injustices, right, but just are just created by the majority or by those in power or those that are influent that are that have influence in order just to impact those that they can and exploit and manipulate. Yeah, I think it's critically important to all of, of what you just said, right, Michael, is why it's important the work that that we're doing, right? Having this conversation so that others can consider different perspectives, certainly volunteering our communities to show what is, um, what are the opportunities. Certainly, you know, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by the younger politicians that we're seeing coming out of the woodworks. Um, you know, stepping up and saying there has to be a change and it has to be, it has to come from all, um, all states, all areas, all levels of government. Um, because the old way of being and the old way of doing um, certainly didn't work for the time, certainly from our perspective. Um, and it's certainly not one that produces the results uh, that we need as human beings who have been um, sidelined um, for the future, for the present, and certainly for the future. Uh, you know, so I, I'm encouraged by the work. Uh, unfortunately, it is a slow work um, to you know break down all of the the systems of oppression that have already been in place uh, for quite some time, and those who are still in power who are looking to keep those systems of impression, um, oppression in place. 
the criminalization piece of it is, is really and for you know we've been talking marijuana as a drug right let's i'll throw out crack you know i'll throw out cocaine I'll, I'll i'll throw out some more heavy hitters right um not advocating for those elements uh um or or any of any quote-unquote illegal drug and the um the the criminalization of the personal use possession um is ridiculous right there's upwards of a million plus a year that are um that are policed in such a manner and put them into uh to jails and prisons um because of the quote-unquote war on drugs instead instead of we should have a war on um mental illnesses or mental um and an inability to cope right in in this day and age um certainly in times past but we're talking about the present right where the resources instead of should be shifted towards building more jails and and what have you it should be placed on um supporting the resilience or developing and and and, and nurturing the resilience of the community right um where you know, I, I read a story where this gentleman, um, he has a, an, a, a rare autoimmune disease that requires him to be in the hospital uh, on a weekly basis, right? Um, he used in this particular case was, I think it was Coke as a, as a coping mechanism for him, right? He was in pain. Um, of course, he got policed, he got incarcerated. Um, he pled guilty rather um, for in his charges, he pled guilty because if he went to court and lost, he would have had, you know, 20 years in prison guaranteed right there off the, off the butt, right? So he pled guilty, now he is a criminal, right? Cause he pled guilty, he's guilty charges. Now he's a criminal in, the, um, in prison, he didn't get the appropriate medical care that he needed with his acute medical, um, his acute autoimmune disease, his rare autoimmune disease, um, that um, were, was not being treated, right? He didn't get a red medication, um, which I'm sure is costly. I think it was like $7,500 a, a bottle for this thing um, where uh, he wasn't treated. So it further, you know, um, caused even more issues as he was imprisoned. Um, and, and what's gonna happen when he comes out, right? He still can't afford, he didn't get the necessary treatment, both of, um, physically or, or psychologically uh, for his issues. Um, and now, it, you know, when he gets out, he, he's already uh, a criminal, right? So he doesn't have the ability, you know, to get housing, food stamps, um, any of those social systems, voting, <laughs> none of that is, is, is an access to him, um, which is certainly just talking about it is making me depressed. I'm sure going through it is gonna, is, it makes one to be depressed. So then you go back on something that you know, gives you some level of comfort, right? So it's a vicious cycle that we find ourselves in, right? So in order to break the cycle, one would assume that we got to do something different than we have been doing in the past if we do have a, a true interest in healing the community. Yeah, and that goes back to your comment on the up and coming politics and the leaders, uh, because it's definitely going to take, you know, that source of of change in order to create, you know, long-term solutions. Uh, but 
you know, that, that, that is a slow process, right? Um, I think in addition to that, what needs to be done is conversations like this. Ralph, you commented on that, you know, the work that we're doing, you know, individually, uh, because I, I 100% agree that we don't address the, the true cause of the problem. Uh, instead, we criminalize a situation and I could just bring up homelessness to, to throw it into the conversation, right? So it's a crime now to be, you know, homeless versus us trying to address the reasons why people are homeless, which can be anything around food insecurity to mental health, right, to, to lack of skills, to lack of experience, opportunities, right, just don't have the right support that they ultimately need to be self-sustaining, to be, you know, functioning individuals in our society. And, um, and, and I do have hope, right, you know, I, I think there's a great stuff that's going on right now, right now is a great time to be alive. Uh, but we just have a long journey ahead of us, right? And this system wasn't built overnight. And so it's not gonna, it's not gonna be taken down overnight, unfortunately, um, even though there, there, there are some pathways, right? I think there's some great bridges uh, that are being created and some things that are out there that, that can be done inside this space, especially just, you know, just across the US, at least from that perspective. I think with a lens of empathy, right? We have the ability to open up perspectives that we may not have held before. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that opening of perspectives, then, you know, we can have the conversation, right, from a more, from a standpoint that allows conversation to happen, right, not, not be closed, closed off or closed minded in anything and, and holding on to one's position. I think if we can have more of a lens of empathy um, when coming to any one of these topics, and uh, certainly you listed off a few like homelessness. Um, then we can have ability to, you know, get to the root of the problems um, that we're seeing in our communities and, and, and solve them, right? Um, you know, when you, when you mentioned homelessness, and not to take it on a tangent, you know, um, and for any good reason there may be, there's, there's likely a quote-unquote bad reason why someone ended up homeless. It just made a bad decision. And I, and I, I see in society now where you know, one decision, um, albeit, you know, 20 years ago, um, and everything um, after that was, quote, unquote, good, can cause you can cause society to try to call you out, or to, um, you know, the, the particular term is escaping me now, uh, but call you out to the point where they, they want to ostracize you and put you in the corner, and you never have an ability to, um, you know, to, 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 you know, come back into society, right? Really ostracize you from society. Uh, and I think that's a dangerous position that, that uh, we're advocating. Certainly, um, if, you know, you did wrong, you did wrong and you should be held accountable for your wrong, do your time and move on. Um, but you shouldn't be held, in my opinion, you shouldn't be held in a position, and we see this with the criminalization of drugs. You shouldn't be held, um, it, if I've done my due, my due time to, to repent for my, my issues uh, that were deemed at a time in society, I shouldn't be held to, those, to, to that um, issue or that, that, um, that, that wrongdoing I did at the time in the present. I already did my time, my, my, my issue should be resolved um, or if it is resolved and I shouldn't be held to that same standard of me in the past, right? Um, and unfortunately, I see too much of that in society where we're like, look, he did or she did that back in, in 99, right? Now I can't, I can't deal with them at all anymore, right? 
very general statement here, but uh, nonetheless, that the framing seems to be out in, um, in in a broader community, and and I think it's also something that we need to um, to address or to at least look at, have a conversation around um, through the lens of empathy uh, to then have ability to move forward. Otherwise, we're stuck. <clears throat> that that's a, a really good. Um probably segue to, to closing out and especially potentially having another conversation and maybe we'll, maybe we'll join the podcast of Breathe Easy uh, to, to follow up on that. But, but the words that I've just written down that, that you were saying, uh, Ralph, is empathy, one, right? Is um, empathy is a function of mental health, right? If, if, I'm, if I'm stressed, focused on myself and you know in this rat race, I don't have time for empathy necessarily. And because I don't have any empathy now, culturally, right, as a group, we are lacking the ability to forgive. And it's that forgiveness, I think, that's missing. And then, right, if, as it builds, either you see it stacking on top, the pressures stacking on top of a person or, you know, digging a hole deeper, there's that concept of re-entry into society, whether we're talking about someone who's been to jail or re-entry into the family, if somebody's made a mistake or re-entry into the, the workforce, if, if um, something happened and, and you end up unhoused. Uh, and then you mentioned that idea of the missing concept of reconciliation, right? Yes, we're saying, uh, or what we're not saying in this conversation and, and in the broader discussion, we're not saying there should be no accountability. However, if we were more empathetic, we would be able to appreciate the need that this other person has for reconciliation. And then, you know, the, that final R word, I was, when I wrote reconciliation, the word that, the, the term that was actually, I was thinking of was uh, restorative justice, which people talk about restorative justice in the schools, for sure, because we don't want so many, in this conversation to be, we don't want so many black and brown children going to the principal or being um, uh, ex expelled from school, which is ultimately kicked out of the community for doing for making a mistake. We talk about restorative justice when we're talking about criminals, right? Who are probably people who have made a mistake. But then we're just talking about restorative justice when somebody says something silly on Twitter, which means if restorative justice is a concept that goes across all spans of our society, that means that our society probably needs to be reevaluated for how just, empathetic, and forgiving it actually is if we have such a cancel culture, right? And, and it all works itself together such that, uh, again, going back to this concept of what is a drug and what is not, and what should be the consequences of using said drugs or consuming said uh, said uh, <laughs> uh, whatever um, I'm trying to think of another word for not necessarily that it needs to be a drug, but whatever we may consume, uh, how we consume it should should be a function of personal responsibility to ourselves as well as to our community. And then we should be able to be responsible for the consequences as necessary, assuming that those consequences include 
reconciliation and, and the ability to restore trust in the individual and restore that person to the community. Um, so there's, there's a whole lot <laughs> that, that goes into this conversation. So I, I think it was pretty awesome. Um, I'll say just the last few words and then, and then um, we'll close it out. But thank you for joining us. Thank you, uh, Michael, for, for all of your wise words. Um, and you know, for, for our listeners, continue the conversation. Um, think about what it looks like to be forgiving, what it looks like to be empathetic, and then how you are managing your own mental health and ensuring that you, know, you are doing the things that you need to do to perform at your best ability. And on that note, we thank you for listening and ask that you click that like button and subscribe to Culture Crawl ATX wherever you listen to your podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something you can take back to your friends and family. Please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And remember, you can always find the latest episodes on culturecrawlatx.com. <laughs>